You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay. We're back with another Film Friday. We are kicking <clears throat> off October with the Halloween season and our October Halloween Horror Fest on Film Friday with Poltergeist. Yeah, the Poltergeist. Original. 1982, mm. baby. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about picking this one is the first like horror movie uh, like a, and a true classic for Halloween for October is this is the movie that literally ruined a good chunk of my childhood. Like, this was the first horror movie I watched when I was, like, <laughs> six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. And The Clown absolutely destroyed a good two years of sleep in my life. Two years, eh? I had the same reoccurring dream for, like, legitimately a, at least a year of being <laughs> chased by a clown. And, of course, my sister had a four-foot-tall clown standing, oh. like, on this, like, stand-up thing that you could take on and off. Are you serious? In her room right next door. It didn't look at all like the one from the movie. It's a clown, though. But it was a clown. Mm -hmm. Just ruined it for me. And on top of that, um, the very first time I ever went to your family's cabin at Christina Lake, I was appalled at the sheer number of clown statues trust me. I was very, very, very (laughs) acutely aware of those clowns because I spent every summer at that place and petrified I was. Especially Indeed. when you had to get up and move around at nighttime as yeah. a little kid. They're like and they're watching like you. lingering over on the, uh, on the, uh, on top of the china cabinet. Yeah. Literally somewhere. right where you go to enter the bathroom. That is freaky, man. Waiting for you. Creepy. Even though they are quite friendly. They're not like No, the they're not. The they're like, se. they're the vintage ones that look really <laughs> creepy. And I'm just going to say that right now. We'll have to invite everybody over to the cabin. Check this out. Mm-hmm. Or I suppose we could post some more photos. Yeah. Indeed. Well, clearly we're talking about a movie that's near and dear to my heart and childhood, Poltergeist. Um, before we get right into it, though, we do have, like, not that much housekeeping. A couple things. Mm-hmm. Literally one of the coolest things that's ever happened with the show, we have a custom piece of artwork that we just received from our good friend Kevin. Uh, he goes as Doodle Kev on basically all his social media. So you can follow him at Doodle Kev on definitely Instagram. That's, like, his main deal. I don't think he's on Facebook, Instagram. That's the mm-hmm. main deal. So go check him out. But this guy's so awesome. So he's done so cool. a Yeti design for us, yep. which we're going to use on a whole, we have a million really cool ideas for this. Like we're going to come up with some really sweet merch soon, but he actually sent us the original design, which is really cool. Cause that's the first time we've ever had that. So we're framing that. That's going to go up in the podcast. It's end. beautiful. And it's so um, poignant. And I love the expression on his face. I love the pointillism art because he does it. He's all point work, exactly. right? Exactly. It's amazing. Really cool. So anyway, shout out to Kev. That's the first bit of the housekeeping here. And also shout out to his uh, his better half, Tiffany, who is a very mm. talented artist as well in her own way, who does 
us some uh, baking and some interesting things. And their so, adorable iguana. Absolutely. Oh my God. Totally. <laughs> so yeah, check yeah. those guys out on Instagram. And uh, yeah, second major news here of the housekeeping is that we launched uh, the Strange Times. Yes. So a periodical for Straight Up Strange Productions. A highly irregular periodical, let me say. <laughs> if you actually look up the definition of periodical, yes. I was like, oh. Okay, this is probably not going to be as regular as that definition means. No, it's but a cheeky take on the period. It kind of is, yep. And I love it because this is essentially the brainchild of everyone in the network and everyone's going to contribute and not to say that it is exclusive to network shows we are actually putting out a call for people if they if you're a writer and you want to contribute to the strange times, yes please. Do it. Just yeah. go onto our website, straightupstrange.com and straightupstrange.com. Sorry, I said that really fast. And Ooh. you can go on to Get Strange, which is basically you mm-hmm. can fill out a tiny little form and get a hold of us. And then we can chit chat and get you up there too. Yeah. We'd love that. Yeah. We're, yeah, definitely. Anyone who's got a cool idea, you know what we're all about. So you can definitely get some more details on the website there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is just a really cool extension of the network and we're going to keep expanding and there's lots more to come with Straight really, Up Strange. Really, really cool. Oh, there yeah. might be some fiction on there. There might be some ongoing columns. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff. And I just remember too, since we're on the topic of our network, um, we are doing a... Oh my God. We are opening up um, the Into the Portal annual pumpkin carving contest or jack-o'-lantern carving contest to everyone in the network. Yeah. And all of the shows, everyone's eligible. All you simply have to do is follow our Instagram account. Um, Just tag us in the post where you show us your pumpkin creation or whatever kind of Mm -hmm. gourd or anything you can carve, really. It could be an apple. I don't care. Yeah, we don't care. (laughs) You could literally carve anything. Yeah. Just find a big ass carrot and carve something. That'd be cool. Do it. Do it. If you can make a pipe out of a carrot, you can make a pumpkin out of a carrot. You a can. Jack-o-lantern out of a carrot. A face or something. You can make a pumpkin out of you a carrot. You could probably stick a candle I, in I there just, too. You probably could. <laughs> You probably could. <laughs> yeah, but we're really stoked on yeah, this. We so are. we want to see everyone and just get, start brainstorming now. That's why we're announcing it right now because you're probably not going to carve a pumpkin this week, mm-hmm. but just think about it. And do it. Absolutely. Just do it. And if like you've, if you guys three, don't already, two, one. three, two, <laughs> no, one, do go. It. <laughs> now, do it. Give me That's the job. That's a Dwightism <laughs> if you love into the, into the office. <laughs> Just the office. We should do a paranormal version into the office cross <laughs> yeah. with the... With it. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. I'm losing my mind here. We should probably get to the topic of the day. Let's do it. And you all can probably tell that I'm actually sick right now. Um, pretty nasally. Apologize for that. But we're powering through. So, yeah. Kudos to you. <laughs> okay. So we are talking about the 1982 Poltergeist, mm-hmm. the original film of a whole schwack of films. This became a franchise. And it did. It, yeah, there was. They were all in the '80s for the original series, right? There was three, and then they did do a remake in 2015, which I'm really curious about. Yeah, I want to see it. I haven't seen it. I've not seen it. Hasn't got the best. They're kind of mixed reviews, I would say, but I still want to see it. The cover looked badass. Like looked scary. They definitely yeah. used the clown on the one movie poster that I saw. Uh, a jazzed up version of the old one. That's mm-hmm. for sure. It looked like it. Basically, it's like some very much a scary clown. Yeah. Gotta say, I love the patina of the original, though. Me too. Like, it's beautiful. And this was actually a film written and produced by Steven Spielberg. However, it was directed by someone else, Tobey Cooper. Yet, this is a very Spielbergian film. It is. And we'll get into that, too, further along in the episode. Um, For me, I honestly was watching this. I was like, yeah, no, this was, he wrote 
produced directed. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I thought. Him. I yeah. literally thought that. I, I was so certain. Until I looked it up, I was like, wait a second. Okay. But essentially what we're getting here is a classic poltergeist situation. Poltergeist is defined by, um, it's, it's essentially a Germanic word, um, translates as noisy ghost, often disturbing objects um, and the people around them. Oftentimes a poltergeist is not something that will actually physically harm you. However, we'll have psychological damage. But in this movie, we do get very um, physical representations of it, hey? mm-hmm, especially definitely. in the very end. Yeah. But very interesting. And we're actually doing a, a regular feed episode on poltergeist. We're focusing on Canadian poltergeist. Yep. So we've been doing some research into this, which makes this movie even funner, in my opinion. Definitely. Yeah. No, I, mm-hmm. well, it was funny. Like, it really was funny because you wanted to watch this movie and it wasn't like I was a- afraid of being afraid. I knew it was a class and, and you know, whatever we've, we've watched a lot of horror movies, but I was kind of like, meh, I don't know. And then we watched it again and it is a really good movie. Like it is, mm-hmm. it is a really well done film. There's a lot of simplicity to it, yet there's a lot of detail to it because it is 1980s. Like you know, like there's no CGI. There's no. Mm-hmm. There's no. There's nothing like that, right? Yeah, um, that's what I love about it. <laughs> which is so cool. Which is yeah. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some major themes that we wanted to kind of highlight before we get into more of like the synopsis and stuff and start to break this down just cause we thought this was kind of interesting and we wanted to try to start getting back into more of our deep dive with our, in, with our film Fridays, not necessarily going too, too deep, but trying to get a little bit more analytical as far as film goes. But these were just some themes that we pulled out on our own. And the major one right off the bat is definitely like the nuclear family, the classic American suburban family, mm-hmm. um, a young family. And there's definitely this theme of like togetherness and they're trying to, Obviously, they're all, I mean, they're living in this house together, but yes. it's centered around, obviously, the youngest child. You know what's interesting, too, about this film? A very interesting juxtaposition would be hereditary, right? Uh, yeah. And I just literally just popped my head. I was like, the way that this family rallies together and supports each other and is like totally in each other's corner throughout this whole thing is totally unlike hereditary in so many ways. Oh, yeah, you definitely. know what I mean? And and obviously we've covered hereditary on past film Fridays. So mm. if you guys haven't checked that one out, I would highly recommend you do. It is very disturbing though, definitely. if you haven't seen that film before, but no, this is like a, the total juxtaposition, right? Definitely. Absolutely. Like in that, well, and even if like for this next point I have here, like a a major theme is the taking of a child Mm -hmm. in hereditary. There's the taking of a child in a very different way. Very much so. I'm not going to spoil it because go watch that film Friday, but it's very, very different, obviously. Yes. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, but that is another major theme, right? And that's the crux of the drama because they're searching for the youngest daughter who has been taken, taken, sucked in through into another plane, another dimension, if you will, through the portal, if you will, mm-hmm. into, yeah, another, another, into another the, realm. The other world, the mm-hmm. other side, I guess, if you want to play on the second installment of this franchise. Right. It's literally called Poltergeist 2, the other side. <laughs> But that is very, very, (laughs) very catchy. (laughs) That is a Um, very, very pivotal theme, though. The taking of a child. Yes. Well, and a young child, right? Like the whole plot hinges on it. I mean, I just add it's it's so obvious, but I just wanted to like point it out because it's just like it always is that it always that's what grabs you, right? It's not the oldest daughter. It's not like it's not a cousin. It's It's not. It's the innocent. It's not the aunt, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that is always what's going to tug at the heartstrings, and that's classic Hollywood. It's classic Spielberg. But he's good at it. He's yeah. Really good at 
It's classic, man. Um, another major theme, which is really, really interesting and ties right into the paranormal aspect of the movie is expansion. The idea of like the expansion of suburbia in America in the 1980s, you know, further development of the middle class and so on and so on. And then obviously the desecration of the dead in juxtaposition with just, just rampant capitalism and greed. Yeah. Basically. Commercialism. And yeah, no, it's funny. I remember learning about this. I had a couple of like post-war like history classes and they talked about, I honestly, off the top of my head, I can't remember the exact name. It was called like the, not the Malcolm model. It was something like that though. And literally this thing was replicated thousands upon thousands of times across America. And it was literally just a suburban development, um, like model. And it was very funny how, like you see so many images, right. Of like this, it it reminds me a lot of Edward Scissorhands too, right? (laughs) 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 Very cut and dry, um, plastic houses looking thing. And, and these people trying to fit in. And one of the funniest things about this film is when this family starts experiencing all this weird paranormal phenomena, they go to their neighbor (laughs) <laughs> that was a funny they scene. Hate. <laughs> they hate him. They have wars with him over the television because. Oh, yeah, no, they, you were yeah. just going to say, but didn't that trick you? Like, didn't what? you? Did, like, because you know, like the name of the movie is Poltergeist. So when that, that first scene of like the TV starts flipping for them while they're watching the game, they're watching oh, the football game. I think, thought it was early paranormal activity you think going it's on, a poltergeist, right? Like they yeah. totally punk you out. And then it's the neighbor next door trying Very to watch true. Mr. Rogers. But going back to the scene where they actually approach him and they're like, uh, so super awkward. Uh, have you had anything weird happening to you? And they're like, they're literally falling over themselves laughing because they feel so ridiculous. Yet at the same time, this is like real. And this is happening to just them in this suburban neighborhood. They're happier to go to their neighbor who they hate rather than call anyone else. Yes. Like the authorities, for example, who they never call throughout the whole movie because that was, it's kind of the worst thing you can do, I guess. Mm -hmm. The yes. authorities you should be calling is the Catholic Church. True. So let's get into a little bit of a back story here. So the, the basically this film picks up in Orange County, California. It's a family, like we said, the Freelings. Stephen and Diane are the parents, and essentially they're living a nice, quiet, you know, hunky-dory life in, mm-hmm. the, in suburbia with their three children. He's a successful real estate developer, while Diane is obviously the stay-at-home mom, right? Looking after three kids, sending yeah. them off to school every well, he's day. In, yeah, he's in sales. He's a salesman, real estate sales. Well, he's in real estate development yeah, yeah, as yeah, a salesperson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, no, the, the whole film, it's, it, it's great how they get right into it too, right? There's not a lot of just dragging it out. <laughs> so essentially what happens here is Carol Ann awakens one night and she's drawn down. She's in her bed. She goes down to the living room and she starts conversing with the TV and her father's asleep in the chair. And then eventually, um, right where she just like, she's kind of just like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And she's trying to communicate and doesn't really get through. Mm-hmm. But then there's another scene later on where there's the storm, right? The classic storm and the yeah. kids are scared and they all, the, the parents try to, you know, just count, count between the strikes of lightning and the thunder and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they all end up in the same bed. Classic family situation, right? Yeah. How many times that happened in your family? Like that happened to me all the time. Yep. <laughs> but happened to everybody. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so this is kind of the pivotal scene, right? Where Carol Ann, it's kind of, I like it how, Basically, they all fall asleep with the TV on because that's the only way they can all fall asleep. And you have this sign off and it's the national anthem. And you hear it playing, you hear it playing, 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 playing. And all of a sudden goes. And then Carol Ann wakes up. And that's when 
you get this really creepy where the, the thing reaches out of the TV at her. And then I think they all come into the room, right? They all start streaming into the room and then they go up behind the bed, like the, the post and, and into the wall, essentially. And then that's when she turns around and says, they're here. Mm. It's so creepy. The classic tagline of the movie. Ah, yeah. That's on the, and of course she's got that high pitch, tiny little, however old she is, girl voice. That's just the creepiest thing in the world. Why are little blonde girls the, always the creepiest? I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the black haired little girl from the ring was really creepy too. <laughs> blonde. I just suppose the hair color doesn't really matter. Oh, you know what though? That wasn't a girl. That was like a 20 something year old woman. That was just a contortionist. Indeed. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you get you, you pick you're picking up what I'm putting down here. Uh, yep. Anyway, and so okay, the, that was the other weird thing is that they experience physical paranormal phenomena, right? Because they had this extreme earthquake seemingly happen in the house where things fall, like you know, like everything, like a lot of damage occurs, and then no one else experiences it. Right. They're the only ones. Which is why the hell did this thing zero in on just them? Is it because of Carolyn? I feel like if you go because we haven't actually seen the two. Um, sequels after, and I feel like this definitely centers around Caroline. Obviously, you know well, what I mean. Good. Yeah, we definitely have to watch and see. But I feel, I feel like that must be the case because, of course, you know, presumably, I mean, okay, by this point in time, we we assume you guys have watched the movie, right? Of course, we find out we're going to get to this the part where we analyze. Of course, it's it's built on top of a cemetery, okay, and uh, nobody else seems to be affected. It's just their house. So yeah. is the cemetery literally like these house, these lots aren't that big. It's not like it's a big half acre mm-hmm. lot. It's a regular suburban. It's a little lot. quarter it's like, acre, it's like not a, even. Yeah, it's of... like a sixteenth of an acre or something, right, or whatever. And, yeah. and and the neighbors are out on the street at the end, very perplexed. Very perplexed, and that's not even like the crux of it. So essentially, odd things start to happen. Odd yet seemingly benign things. One of my favorite scenes is in the kitchen when it's just the mom and Carol Ann and they're, you know, just doing whatever. And you have literally, this was a one shot scene yeah. where they they actually had people that <laughs> zoomed in on the set because like, okay, so essentially what happens is the mom walks into the room, finds the chairs arranged um, evenly spread away from the table in this right. strange configuration. She's like, Caroline, did you do this? No. So she puts Caroline on the counter and goes to get something. I don't know what. And then you turn around and all the chairs are like stacked in this crazy pyramid form, like literally 10 seconds or 15 right. seconds later. And they lit, they did that yeah. on set. Yeah. They arranged it. So That's I, great. So I get, I, I like from the one article I read, I kind of got the impression that like, obviously they quickly moved the chairs that were spread up that she had moved back in. And then they had this like, glued together stack of chairs like ready to go and they quickly like put it there. it's not like they like actually like stack them like balance oh them. that makes more sense it was like ready to go though and they like quickly like, tup, 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 like moved all the chairs okay. and like brought this thing in, like literally in like three seconds it had to be super quiet too yeah super, like, well yeah and it obviously happening. edited a little but like still very impressive and yeah. this all goes into the it all goes along with this idea that like very early on with this activity it's playful it's not malevolent. Mm-hmm. No, it's not it's, at all. And they're intrigued by it. They're intrigued. And like the whole thing where it's like the, <laughs> she lays out the arrows on the kitchen floor where this, and there's a circle and she like puts Carol Ann in it and it just like Definitely. races her across and you're like, what is this? Is this Definitely. some sort of trick? What is going on? And you do get the multiplicity of spirits in there too, right? And right. later on we have 
um, oh my gosh, I can't remember. I have it later on in the notes, but essentially once the heavies are called in and we get the people from the University of California, Irvine, including Dr. Lesh, um, Ryan and Marty, they come to the house initially to investigate and they determine that they're experiencing a poltergeist intrusion and that there is more than one ghost, multiplicity of spirits involved in this. And, and then also, yeah, like you said before, they do find out that it was built in a cemetery. So that makes sense. But The funny thing that I had, okay, so essentially what Dr. Lash says to them, the older woman, right, with the glasses, she says that there's a difference between a haunting and a poltergeist. And a poltergeist is attached to a person, whereas a haunting is attached to a place. And the the beef that I kind of have with this is like, okay, wait a second. So obviously the fact that this family is living in this location is the cause of all of this essentially, right? And once you get to the climax of the film, it becomes even more obvious. Yeah. And when you get the, you, you only moved the tombstones, you didn't move the bodies. And it's like, Oh, that's a great. So that to me puts this in the place, but there is a whole series of these films. And clearly this thing follows this little girl around and we get the definition of what's called the beast later on. And that is, I guess maybe what, I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to make sense in my mind. Like, did they awaken a spirit by living on this desecrated land and the spirit was attracted to Carol Ann because of her innocent spirit? Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there was one in particular that was, because when they bring in that tiny little like hobbit-sized frog lady at the end of the movie, and I can't remember her name, who was like the clairvoyant who could contact whatever and like knew what was going on. Her name is uh, Tajina Barons. Okay. She makes the comment about how there's one particular spirit that's like so angry or whatever. It's yeah. kind of like the same situation as the Winchester house Ooh, yeah. we, that we just covered, where that's it's like, a good oh, example. there's this one particular spirit that's just super pissed off. Um, so that was it was that kind of a situation because they had, obviously they were over top and had disturbed many, many spirits. And that's where, that's where it intrigued me because I was always, I, yeah, like that, that statement from Dr. Lesh or however you want to pronounce that confuse, confuses me as well. Personally, like before I rewatched this movie or even got back into like thinking about poltergeists and ghosts and hauntings getting into Halloween in October. I never really designated poltergeist in that way. Like I always thought of it. I always thought of it as, as more of a house or a place or that it was more fluid than that, that it could be both. Um, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And that, and that it just meant that it was basically the rambunctious version that was a little bit more active and picking things up and throwing them around and stuff like that. Usually though with poltergeists, there are children involved. And a lot of the times like there's this controversy, right, over whether or not, because there's a lot of famous cases out there and I, I'm i forgetting the names of them. I know that um, there was that, so there was a movie that was based, it was like called um, something, it was the second installment of this movie and they covered it. It was over in the UK, right, where there's these two sisters and they're experiencing this pic- paranormal whatever a lot of people thought they're making it up and that's it with kids right like you're like "Mm, is this real is this not like you know and a lot of people will pick it apart in that way but poltergeists and children are usually one in the same and we're actually going to get into some of that in our regular feed episode that's going to be released on this sunday or monday sorry but I'm excited to get into more detail about all of this because this is just kind of it, a teaser. It really these is. Are the thoughts that we've had over the last like few weeks mm-hmm. and stuff coming into this. Getting it's back just to kind of strange. I kind of want to get back to the beast though, because this is interesting. That woman that you mentioned, the spiritual medium that Dr. Lesh calls in mm-hmm. after the children have been sent away. Yes. She her name is Tajina Barons. And essentially Tajina states that these ghosts are in 
lingering in different states of consciousness or spheres of consciousness and they're not at rest and they are attracted to Carolyn's life force. Um, and in that sense, they're distracted from the real light that's kind of calling to them. And then she even says here that the beast um, is attracted to Carolyn and has her under restraint in a, an effort to use her life force to prevent other spirits from crossing over. So there's a real like demonic force in the whole mix of these things that is, is stirring the pot. And that's just it, right? Is it, is it like in Lep Castle, right? Where you have that the elemental elemental. Yeah, exactly. And that is nothing more than just the conjuring of a bunch of negativity and, and violence and destruction and just sorrow and yeah. all of it. And so maybe this beast is that. I don't it's know. a demon. It's whatever you want to designate it as, depending on what your epistemology is or mm-hmm. whatever. But your your yeah. thoughts on this was quite interesting, though. Like you even alluded more to that when we were talking about this off air, and you said like you're like, it's confusing to me that these spirits would even be restless because they were laid to rest yeah. in a cemetery. Is it the simple fact they were disturbed that is but making them come but, back? Right, but then that's the that begs the question. It's like, what is the importance of the the physical body, the corpse, if you will, right? Because there's there ha- there would have to be a, a significance of the physical attachment to that to that rotting flesh, just straight up carbon based nothing, mm-hmm. right? That's going to biodegrade. Mm-hmm. But the way that pissed off about it, the way that Dr. Lesh explains it is like, oh, when some people die, they don't know they're dead, and other people. Like they, they don't go to the light, so to speak, or they don't cross over because of various whatever reasons. But to me, I'm like, okay, wait, so is there just like thousands of people buried here and there's just a small percentage of them that are coming back because they were never actually gone in the first place? <laughs> is that what we're dealing with? And why are they all attracted mm. to Carol Ann? Because there's definitely going to be other kids in this neighborhood, mm. <laughs> right? Even that fat kid next door. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's too smelly. There's too many flies attracted to him. <laughs> he's so easy to like follow around though. And <laughs> yeah. He'd be slim pickings. I mean, that's slim. a That's Yeah, that's a oxymoron. But anyway. Yeah. Um, Anyways, let's get back into the film here because like, Okay, so we get this this woman, right? This spiritual medium, Tangina, and she brings Carolyn back. There, she brings her. That, that's a cru- pretty yeah. pivotal scene, hey? She does. With the portal and the tennis balls. and I do want to make... She does, and I want to make just a comment about her. Mm-hmm. The first thing, the quote that you just read, like, because if... Before we get into that, because it's kind of crazy, right? But the idea of a s- different spheres of consciousness, like, that kind of implies... I don't want to get too into semantics here, but that like in that phrasing, consciousness is a physical place, right? So a different sphere of consciousness would be a different or a place, different dimension, which is a different place. It's not here. It doesn't have to be physical though, per se. No, but it's not here though. But the thing so is, that's confusing to an, me. Is like elsewhere. Carolyn comes back in a physical form. Physical forms can enter and exit through Covered this room. Nasty goo. <laughs> they had to add some of that. <laughs> They got slopped, just like in bombs. Oh, yeah. It's called. Got slimed. Slimed. <laughs> Foamed. Foamed. The goo. Yeah, the yeah. orange foam. Okay, well, keep going. Keep going. So we're talking about, okay, yeah. So she brings them back. They're, this is getting Excuse in towards me. one of my favorite scenes, which we'll talk about in a sec, because we talk about our favorite scenes, but. <laughs> Not soon enough. Okay. So essentially, Barons announces that the Klaus has been cleansed. The Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> the There's Klaus this German the guy that we're really trying to like just 
they hosed them down. <laughs> then they kept, they, then they got back to their regular podcast activity. Did we know a Klaus? Oh no. Cloud. Cloud. <laughs> we got that guy fired. No, we didn't. Oh. We made him go on a, on a, on a emotional leave or something like that <laughs> <laughs> let's just have a good laugh uh, all that for uh, a second <laughs> there's not enough context to make us not sound like jerks but take our word for it it's funny anyway this, no, <laughs> this is a guy that came to do a lecture with his dress shirt tucked into his tidy whities <laughs> that were a full foot above his belt i am not joking about that yeah. Don't take German studies at UBCO. Oh, <laughs> That's all I God. can say. <laughs> anyway. Okay, okay, we're moving on. No. Okay, so essentially we are led to believe in this film that the house has been cleansed. The spiritual medium has done her work. She's brought the child back. All is well, supposedly. And the family is still just like, meh, we're getting out of here. <laughs> we're still not going. Like they are convinced, but they're like, there's no way. Who would stay? How would you be able to raise your children in that house? Like, no. You just wouldn't. What child would you be wouldn't. able to fall asleep again in that house? No after one. After that. No one. No ever, one. ever. Ever. Ever again. I don't even think I'd be able to fall asleep, even if I wasn't in that house, if I was one of those kids. Oh, God. Not for many years. No. I just watched the movie and I couldn't sleep. I know, right? So this is kind of crazy, because then you get the second coming of this beast. And I love how physical it is. Like, it, it just... It molests the mother. It goes straight for the children. And like, it's just ruthless. Hey, like there are no holds barred. No. Nothing at all. And then essentially Diane, the mother is driven from the house and she is separated from her children and somehow falls into the pool. Great. <laughs> Slips scene. right in there. Just slips right in it's like this it looks like a slip and slide the way that she just slides right in into the deep end there's no like she's immediately covered just like head to toe and then you get the bodies rising up with her all the dead skeletons that would literally Uh, that is like i don't understand how they made pools back in the day but that just doesn't seem mm -hmm. like how they would do it these it's really days. dumb. No. Well, like, how it, are you they dig pour- a hole and then they fill it with a water. Right away. They, yeah. They don't just leave it, but maybe they're saving up. Hmm. They dug the hole. They ran around. Maybe that was the pool. It was maybe. just the hole. That's a mud hole. <laughs> well. But I love this too, because it suddenly is very late at night and the father is not there. He's with his boss, who's essentially trying to convince him to stay, trying to convince him to like, oh, you can move up the hill. (laughs) And then literally where they're looking, they're on this bluff, right? They're looking over top of a Cuesta Verde, the the current development that he's living in. And he has this like, you know, this picket fence. It's a white picket fence. And then all of a sudden the camera pans back and it's another cemetery. How many effing cemeteries are there around here? Anyways. Is that foreshadowing or a Oh, for sure. Knows. For sure. And he's like, oh, we'll just move them. That's what we did down there. No and big deal. No. And then, and then, yeah. And he's like, what? There's no way. Anyway, so he ends up quitting, comes back to his house to find this disaster happening. It doesn't know what to do. The daughter, the oldest daughter is actually out on a date. So she's not at the house as well. It's just the two younger kids and the mom. And then all this panic ensues. There's multiple scenes where Diane's seen sliding into this pool of bodies. Um, coffins and bodies start popping out of the 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 ceiling out of the mud <laughs> out of the mud and then in the house too right oh yeah as well as you get the actual manifestation of the beast too it's this crazy demon looking thing i don't even it looks like a dinosaur kind of to be honest you thought so 
Kind of. It's like a ghost dino or something. I don't know. I'd have to watch it again. It was weird. It reminded me of just like a, you mean like through the portal, like that giant head? Yeah, it was like this weird thing that was like coming down the hall and then, and then yeah, you get this like weird guttural, it kind of reminded me of um, Caroline. Remember the, um, that, not CGI, sorry, it's like a stop motion film. It was Tim Burton. Right, right, right. Very recent, but mm. the way that the belly of the beast, like that, like portal thing looks very right. much reminds me of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyways, yeah, so we're getting to the end here. Yeah. So we discovered the true criminal behind all of this, right? The real estate developer. Yeah, hmm. I guess. His boss. I love the scene where he grabs him. He's just like, you didn't. I already said this, but <laughs> you didn't move the bodies, just the headstones. I know, right? It's like, so classic. Really? Just the classic screaming at a guy moment at the, at the end of a movie. And also the classic scene where he puts his head in his hands. He's like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happened here? Because essentially the house implodes yep. on itself mm-hmm. and kind of gets like sucked into the portal. Right? Yep. Um, yeah. How do you really reconcile with that? The entire neighborhood's out on the street watching this happen. I don't know where you go from there. No, indeed. <laughs> what I, happens I really to the know. Cuesta Verde? Does everyone move out? That just reminds me so much of Del Boca Vista. <laughs> Cuesta Verde. <laughs> like, what is You're heading for green, I guess. Cuesta Verde. Yeah. Is that, is that what that is? Um, Trying to find a nice lawn. Cuesta. I feel like that's a, that's a, that's a conjunction of uh, costar, which means to cost or something. I don't know. It? I don't know. I can't remember Spanish. I, I, well, I someone listening to us will probably know. I suck. But we're not quite done yet because there was a few themes that I wanted to chuck out there that were really interesting that we should have picked up on earlier on, especially me having watched this movie once before, that I didn't. But the, there were some major ones right at the beginning. The bird burial. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's the um, it's the classic canary in the coal mine, right? right? That's the first sign. I, well, I I picked up on that right away. Well, it wasn't as no not no not necess, no not just the bird dying, but the idea of them burying it in the yard and having this burial in a coffin of the shoebox. Very ironic foreshadowing, right? Mm-hmm. Did the bird also pop up during all the coffin rising at the end, and Canary mm-hmm. was all pissed off as well? Perhaps. Did he join forces with the other pissed off spirits down there? <laughs> This Maybe. is my question. This is what Andrew's <laughs> interested in, folks. Um, is anyone still listening? I'm not sure. Um, okay. <laughs> um, okay. And the, the other major thing that was interesting to me was just how it was so whimsical, right? Like right from Jump Street because they thought it was so, it was met with such interest and wonder and they were playing that game with it on the floor and sliding them across and playing with the chairs. And it didn't really get nasty until the tree scene Right? Like all that crazy stuff starts happening and all of a sudden the sun, right during the storm, this was one of the coolest things. He gets snatched up by a possessed tree, Mm -hmm. which we don't normally see in haunting movies. We see see decapitations and we see possessions and we see mutilated corpses and we see all these things. We We don't normally see whomping willows. You don't really see whomping willows, but you might see the house start to do stuff, right? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. But it's funny, right? Because that's all a distraction. It's all because he wants to get to the girl, right? Right. And that's it. And he leads the whole family out. They're all trying to save the boy. And then meanwhile, Carol Ann gets snatched up. <laughs> mm. Mm. Talk about a plan. Well, and of course, they, they, I mean, they, they give us the real reason at the end because they were feeding off of her, her ability to kind of give them a little bit of the good side, right? Like she, she kind of gave them the feelings that they couldn't feel in the real world, mm-hmm. even though she was existing in their plane. Which is weird, right? It's like if she yeah. ate a steak, would they taste it? Like, what, 
would you be able to get a steak? Like if it's you, her essence that is you know it. Like, yeah. And it's funny because her brother, Robbie, is like very much an innocent too. But I guess it's just because she's the youngest. She's the, the blondest. <laughs> yeah. That kid needs braces. That's all I'm saying. Who? Robbie. Oh, yeah. Anyway. But that was one of my favorite mo- this, uh, movies. <laughs> Scenes. It's up there. It's not, I wouldn't say it's in my top 10. Great, great scene though with the, uh, with the tree. Mm-hmm. Definitely, That's your, one of your favorites, eh? I liked it. I thought it was fun. I had a few favorites. Some of them were kind of subtle. Some of them were just more moments than anything. Like, especially the scene where um, the husband and his boss are up on the bluff and it's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. what? This is Quest of Verde 2.0. <laughs> are you serious, man? Like, come well, on. and when he's walking around clients earlier in the movie, too, he's basically the guy... The guys or the, the, you know, the couple, the husband says like, everything looks exactly the same. And he was just like, well, he, he makes some, you know, whatever he's, he knows it, it all looks the same, but he makes some whatever classic realtor. Oh, no, no. You know what he said? He said, oh, but we're very liberal with our construction. One fellow, whatever. Yeah. yeah, One fellow had a jacuzzi on his second floor, but it drained into some other pool into his yard or blah, blah, blah. And you can customize whatever you want. Right. Something like that. Yeah. There was a very interesting rumor attached to this franchise uh, that there was a curse, which has happened before in film and in plays and theater and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lend too, too much credence to it, but there, this was an interesting quote uh, from uh, deepfocusreview.com that does like movie reviews. And um, they did a really in-depth article on this entire movie, but this is a quote from them. In the coming months and years following the film's release, absurd rumors of a curse haunting the cast and crew um, would become a thing uh, because of production using real skeletons, right? <laughs> uh, procuring real ones was cheaper than buying the plastic ones, uh, so they ended up using them during the pool scene. Um, were followed by the tragic deaths of Dune and later O'Rourke, so um, a couple of the act the actors in the film. I have more info on that later, just FYI. But okay, yeah, no, cool. it, yeah. yeah. You, you just spoiled my surprise Did I? Oh, a little bit. Okay. I just thought this was so interesting because how, like a lot of people bought into this, right? But it was really, the movie was massively popular and the 1980s was really known for this type of thing. Mediums, using Ouija boards, all kinds of stuff like that. Sorry, you mean the curse aspect of the film? Yeah, like people bought into it. To be honest, I think we should watch the other two in in the original installments, like in the original franchise, and then we can comment more about the curse of the franchise because we need to get to the end of the whole thing. But I do have a few little fun fun facts at the end here. Okay, Okay. (laughs) sounds good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, we, we're kind of in down to the moments where we give our favorite scenes and stuff. I, I already kind of did. I also really did enjoy the first, like, when you get to see the, the, the monster come through, when they chuck the rope through the portal. It comes out the other side with the uh, the researcher downstairs. Can't remember that guy's name. But anyway, he, he's got the other end of the rope, but the, the dad can't wait. He's yanking on it, and he ends up pulling out this basically, like, eight-foot-tall monst- monstrosity of a skull head thing. I thought that was kind of cool. Definitely. There was a lot of fun moments. (laughs) One of my favorite moments was the introduction of the spiritual medium. I loved that actress. I loved her presence in the film, how she was just this little, this little button. She was so cute and so small and just so powerful. Right. And she was just like the way that she walked through that house and weirdly reminded me of the costume designer in the Incredibles. (laughs) You know, with the, the big glasses and everything and the dark hair. But she was a shining little 
little gem in this film. Yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of fun moments. So I kind of alluded to some of my favorites already too. Um, what did we think of the acting? I, were there any weak moments for you or any particularly strong moments? I mean, or? it's kind of, it's funny, right? Like it's sort of hard in a way to kind of judge, I guess, like because it's 1982, because it's a Spielberg movie, because it's filled with all this like classic whimsical stuff. Like he builds in so many things so that people will love his movies, right? Like even going back to the whole thing with like the first scene, dad in the chair, TV with the fuzz. How many times have we seen that? Usually it's in a negative way, right? Like we've this seen is, that in a lot of movies. It's all presented where it's in a very like warming family but a, way. Exactly. But it's a classic scene. Like we saw that in Halloween, I think mm. it was where the kid kills his stepdad or whatever the hell it is. And the thing right in the chair or other, there's lots oh, of movies yeah. like that. Classic scene. Classic. But it's a scene everyone knows and it's not negative in this situation. Also the chairs, every mom has ever has always said, put the stools in the counter, put the chairs back. Why are you doing that? Right. Yeah. Everyone's going to relate to that. Oh, definitely. There's, it's all built right in. He's just, it's brilliant. You know, what's funny too. Like he took a lot of what he made that film, like an inspiration from his own life. Like he modeled the neighborhood after a neighborhood he grew up in. He modeled the, the boy's fears after his own clowns and storms. Like there was a lot that he, yeah, he played into a lot of his own sort of, um, you know, his own personal. Isn't that ironic? Fault. Yeah. Causing other people to be afraid of things that he... And, and <laughs> right? that's exactly where we get into... <laughs> that's exactly where we get into his influence on this film, right? Because we already alluded to that. He he wrote it. He d- produced it. He directed it in all but name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, yeah, Tobey Hooper was the director. And I'm not going to say that he didn't do his job or he didn't do a good job because I think he did. And I think with someone like Spielberg's persona and his ego around, you probably have to um, try to find line, I would imagine. But Hooper was hired because of um, Spielberg's admiration, sorry, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of 1974. And they also mutually had some affection for The Haunting, which inspired them to collaborate on this Haunted House movie. And Spielberg was bound by contract not to direct any other film while he was in the studio for E.T. So this, the very fact that E.T. and this film, Poltergeist, premiered less, like there was like a week apart, yeah. was definitely made this summer the Spielberg summer. Yeah, for sure. And much. everyone was saying it. The, new, the papers, everyone, critics, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. And there was some controversy surrounding these creative credits. Um, several members of the crew and cast have over the years consistently stated that Spielberg was the de facto director over the picture. Um, some will say, no, 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 it was Hooper. But in reality, it was Spielberg making the decisions. He was there on set every day. He would make those creative calls. Hooper would look to him and just, okay, be like, you know, from what I've read, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I don't know everything about this film, so feel free to contradict me. That's yeah, all no, no. <laughs> I, I know there's some diehards out there that are like, I actually, a few people were tweeting at us today because I, I threw out a little promo saying we were going to cover this tonight. And one person said, oh, I hope you do a deep dive into this because I really love this movie. And I think there are, yeah, there are, there, there's some. It's classic, man. It's, it's in people's top three. Oh, it's great. Probably. When we did the little poll on our forum and into the portal, we were like, okay, let's see what your favorites are. And this one was the top. Uh, that and Carrie, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Or wait, was this one in there? I don't know. Maybe I didn't throw that one in there. But, I, I, but I, I might have thrown in like last minute into our film Fridays. <laughs> I was like, we need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think you did. I probably saw it on the list there. Whoopsies, Amber yeah, Vito. Sorry, not sorry. No. One interesting thing, like just to show, you know, the, just to really highlight the element of like how, you know, much Spielberg had an impact as a director, not just the producer or anything else like that. I did read this one thing. I don't know how true this is. Uh, I saw it on a couple of different like websites and articles and stuff. I couldn't really verify it, but apparently the scene where one of the researchers goes into the mirror and is totally getting messed with psychologically by the poltergeist and ends up ripping his own face apart. So that was obviously a real, like, uh, like a model of a face, right? But apparently they just had one, I guess, because it was they only whipped up one because it's kind of shot. a pain in the ass to do. Like they wanted to get it done in one shot, and uh, the actor didn't want to do it, and so he asked Spielberg if he would, and so apparently the hands in that scene, because of course you can just see the hands, mm-hmm. and it's the model being ripped apart. Those are Spielberg's hands. That's so correct cool. me if I'm wrong, movie buffs out there, but I think that's pretty sweet if it's mm-hmm. true. I'm just gonna go ahead and say. I believe that that's that's true. It sounds like something go that would be a fun with, movie fact. Go with the lore. Throw away facts. The lore. Well, that's what we're all about. Reality is Did nothing. <laughs> Make right. up your own. There's history. some other really like hilarious trivia about this film. I want to get into uh, this. That's interesting. Yeah. This was great. I just pulled up a bunch of random facts from the web that were just hilarious. Okay, well, no, not all of them are hilarious. Some of them are great. Some of them are you know very interesting. So the first one up is this guy James Karen who plays the real estate developer. So the bad guy in the end. And at the time, he was actually also a spokesman for a supermarket called Pathmark. And after this film <laughs> premiered, he received hate mail saying, like, from people that they would essentially stop buying any products and would stop shopping at Pathmark because of his character's treatment of the Freelings. Oh, my God. <laughs> people are something else. That's all I can say. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. And and even to go about, like, it's not even his character. They're writing to him. Like, seriously? Just because you accepted a role? Come on, man. That's there's so many actors and actresses that I love that I could easily hate if I was a moron. Yeah. Just watch more movies, people. You'll find someone you hate. You will. You think you love. They're not really <laughs> worth hating, though. They're no, just people, too, trying to make a living. <laughs> I'm totally joking. But anyway. Uh, this next one we already alluded to, too. Like, we the, the shot of the chairs, right? Yeah. So, essentially, that was done in one frame, and which is amazing. And, yeah, like you mm-hmm. said before, it was this already stacked pyramid, whatever. Um, the next one here I have was um, just a little fact on Heather Aurorek. So she is, she plays um, Carol Ann in the film. And she was chosen for the film when she was eating lunch with her mom and her sister at these MGM commissionary, commissary, commissary. What is that? Um, what but is that? Spielberg actually came up to them and wanted Aurora for the part of Carol Ann, but she did fail the initial screen test because she just kept giggling. <laughs> she couldn't stop. Even when they wanted her to be scared, she just couldn't. And so the next time, he actually, he was like, hey, this is working. I do see something in you. I want you to come back and do another take. Bring a scary story with you. And so when she did, she read it. I guess they read it on for part of her whatever. And then he asked her to scream. And she screamed and screamed until she started crying. And then this audition got her cast as Carol Ann. Nice. She was very young, though, like and very immature in a lot of ways. And he wasn't really sure if she could handle a part. There was one scene, you know, the scene where she's like, um, all the toys are blowing out of her bed. And like, there's this big like wind and then like, you know, they're all getting sucked in the closet. And she literally just like 
fell to tears. Like she was like, I can't like, you know, and, and Spielberg after that take, he was like, you don't have to do that again. We're just going to take right. that. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Another one that was actually kind of funny that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't include in here, but I just remembered off the top of my head. Um, yeah, there's this scene where they're talking about, um, so the dad comes home from work. This is the initial day that she's discovered there's a poltergeist and she's all excited about it. The mom, I mean, and then she says something about how like, oh, no worries, honey. We'll just go get Pizza Hut for supper. And, but the, when she says Pizza Hut, it randomly cuts the scene where they're on their neighbor's front porch, apparently. And then it cuts back and it's just this very awkward cut. And like Spielberg just didn't like how she said Pizza Hut or something. And then Pizza Hut was like also offended. I don't even know. It's like this weird thing. And so they had this strange little cut where she was saying Pizza Hut. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. Why would they? That's huge product placement. Yeah. Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. <gasps> That's Imagine you had pizza and you go putting. I guarantee that's a thing. Probably. Somewhere. The pizza putt. The pizza putt. It's mm. probably a thing. Let's make it up. Anyway. Anyways. Um, there's another fact I had, and you already kind of touched on this too. So Heather O'Rourke, um, the girl that played Carol Ann, and also her older sister in the film, both died tragically um, less than eight years after this release. So the teenage daughter, Dominique Dunn was her name, her full name. She was actually strangled into brain death by her boyfriend in that same year. They had um, a domestic dispute happened on her driveway and he essentially strangled her until she fell unconscious and then she was rushed to hospital and died five days later. Crazy. And then Heather O'Rourke actually died from, um, there's kind of different versions. There was one where she died of like, um, shock due to septus because of some other thing related to her organs and another thing says intestinal stenosis which maybe that's the same diagnosis i'm not a doctor Mm. i don't know but she died six years later and so they're both buried in the same uh cemetery right it's called the westwood memorial park in los angeles so the people that came up with this curse idea usually latch on to the use of real bodies in the pool scene which is like makes sense in terms of like latching onto that as like an urban legend kind mm. of thing. It also is just kind of funny because it implies that the film, like the like the set crew didn't go about acquiring the bodies in legitimate ways and like desecrated graves to get them, which would be very ironic for very, the film. Very ironic because <laughs> where, where in this world are plastic bones more expensive than real human remains why are human remains for sale yeah how are those <laughs> i don't <cheap>? understand <laughs> like that's like a re- that's a creed bratton business like it is the office like oh yeah shady you stuff got a corpse guy he's behind i got a corpse guy behind the denny's <laughs> off third street like what? this is los angeles well in the 80s anything's possible <laughs> We aren't from there, so I don't know what to say. One other cute one, because I just feel so sorry for Heather O'Rourke, but um, she actually ended up keeping the pet goldfish that Caroline had in the film. Oh. Yeah. Poor little girl. Yeah. She made it to the end of the third movie, though, and she died, like, I think four months after filming. Crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, that definitely makes the curse latch on. Yeah, it's so sad. That is really sad. But overall, this movie definitely received like critical acclaim and was has been sort of dampered, like it's been affected by the trilogy, essentially, right? Um, yeah. yeah, that usually yeah. happens. The first movie is always the best, typically. I wonder how the other ones were. We need to watch them, obviously. Like. That is definitely the gist I've gotten from articles that I've read, um, that it kind of puts, it, it, it hurts the simplicity of this film. Oh. Very much in the same way that like, 
Close Encounters was a really simplistic film, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of Close Encounters in this movie. You see a ton of it. You see E.T. You you can just it just it just is seeping with Spielbergianness, mm-hmm. like in the cuts and just in all the style, all the cinematography. But he does a good job, and he's yeah. a, it's it's its simplicity that makes people like identify with the family. Is the simplicity and the authenticity of it, right? right? Because it is just so real and it's just as something that everyone can relate to. I like the way that this one guy's name's Robert Robert Ebert from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, he said Ebert. here, Hooper and Spielberg hold our interest by observing the everyday rituals of this family so closely that since the family seems real, the weird events take on a certain credibility by association. Yeah. I like the way he phrased that. Good old Roger. Roger. Yeah, I know. I just thought that was because that's the crux of this film is the believability of the characters and the situation and how this could be something that could happen to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they definitely make it feel that way. Yeah. And I, then a, the end shoves the TV out of the Holiday Inn. <laughs> no more TV. Yeah, out onto the deck. <laughs> and then the slow uh, fade. I really loved the ending, kind of actually. Way. I loved the way that that ended. Me too. They're in the hotel. You don't know where they're going. You don't know if their next house, if this is going to happen to them again. But mm, and it does. I actually oh, looked wow. up a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Poltergeist Two basically takes up with the Freelings after they've escaped their haunted house, and the house is now being studied by paranormal investigators. And then there's this shaman guy that is kind of tracking the situation too, and he finds out that this beast has essentially taken on the form of a priest who is still targeting Caroline. And so that's where he goes to warn them, and then all these other events ensue. So that's what we're into for for uh, part two. Hmm. Well, strap in your boots, folks. Yep, let's yep. do it. Right. Well, well, we're not going to come back with Poltergeist 2 next week. We're going to come back with a different movie because mm-hmm. we want to keep this October spook fest horror film train rolling. Definitely. With some mm-hmm. variety. So we're definitely yeah. going to yeah move on to something else that's really cool. But thank you guys so much for listening to this film Friday. We appreciate you coming we back really to do. check us out. and. Leave us a review. If you haven't already, check us out on like Apple Podcasts. If you listen subscribe on iTunes, to the click show. subscribe, whatever podcast app you use. And yeah, reviews really help. Click the five stars if you like the show and leave a, a written review if you want to, to, yeah, just like we appreciate anything. Mm-hmm. We appreciate anything. We and really hit do. us up. Uh, let us know what you think about this movie and this analysis of the movie. So check us out on Facebook. You can comment there mm-hmm. or send us an email at into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. Don't forget about our pumpkin carving contest. We mentioned off the top think of the show. Think about it. De- definitely think <laughs> about it. And like, if you don't already, um, follow us on Instagram at into the portal podcast and at strange pods. Yes. And then literally all you have to do is carve something sweet. You don't have to be a masterful artist by any means. I literally carved a rutabaga that looked like a five-year-old did it. It was awesome. And it was so cute. So anything that's original and creative, we love it. Totally. Just just do it. Just Just do do it. it. Like the sweet berry wine. Just rock it like the sweet berry wine. You're supposed to spit it. You're supposed to spit it up. I'm not going (laughs) to. That's enough of us. Okay. (laughs) So until next time on Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bazaar.
This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.